0: This is Office Detox. Personal stories reflected in this podcast are true, but details have been changed to protect the companies and people involved. There we were on a software development call discussing flowcharts and documentation. Yeah, really fun stuff, right? But hey, it's work. We were deep into the project, right in the middle of a meeting. A question came up. We were all in a group meeting. It was a conference call. It was the kind of question that upended everything that we were working on so far. To not get too boring with this story, let's just call the thing that we were talking about X. So one of the trainees, which was the business that we were in, one of the trainees was on the call and she said, did we plan for X and then up piped Karen. Karen, yes, that's exactly the name that I chose for her, was a woman in her 50s who wore glasses, a colorful power suit, and Sally Jeffsay Raphael glasses. It was a throwback to the 80s, but not a terrible look. She was a consultant helping get requirements for the project. She had a long history in sales in the photocopying industry and had reimagined her career doing training seminars and whatnot. When I first met her, I remember having to step back. First of all, she was a very tall woman, even taller than me, and she invaded my space and often came towards me a little too much. But she was doing work that moved forward my projects, so I took a practical view of the relationship. So at the meeting teleconference, Karen piped up, well, If you're thinking about X, maybe you should ask Stefania. Sorry, I don't think we included X originally, but it was, it would be really tough to add it at this point if we did, I said practically. So just real quick, in software, you have to build foundations on things before you build the features on top. There's no foundation for the thing that they were talking about. But it was in the original requirement On the chart, it was in the design, Stefania, said Karen. Actually, I'm not sure it was. Yes, it was. It was in the original document. So another thing about Karen is that she wasn't very technical. And I think based on what I saw later that that might've been a source of insecurity for her. Agreed, piped up her friend and a trainee who I covered in another episode. It should have been there. It was there, Stefania, said the manager, who I also covered in another episode. You should have had your team cover it. Oh, it was in the requirements. Karen's voice started to get louder. Even though she was not in the room, I could feel her getting close and my throat started closing. Stefania, we absolutely need to have this. Some of the others started piping up. I'm not saying you can't have it. I mentioned, starting to stammer. I'm just saying it's a bit tricky if we try to add it now. You made a mistake." Said Karen, again getting louder and her voice getting higher. I think you have to admit that to everyone here. I'm... I... I'm sorry. And at that point I was crying which was the first time after 20 years or so of working in the marketing world that I actually cried in a meeting. Yeah. I had cried about work and frustration in my own time, but never in a public way in a meeting like this. It was kind of embarrassing. My tears were uninvited guest. I knew it wasn't there and spoiler alert, when I check later, it indeed was not. But I also knew that they were not gonna stop until I gave in, which is why I apologized. Well, you should have known better, said the manager. I don't completely remember what happened next. The others were joining in, saying what a poor job I did by not including it and what a big mistake I made. The berating of me probably went on for about 10 minutes while I listened in defeated silence. Finally, there was silence on the call. Honestly, I just wanted the call to end but I looked at the clock on the bottom right of my computer and there is 25 25 more minutes. We started to talk about other things and everything started to clear a little. Out of nowhere, suddenly something nice actually happened. One of the trainees said, you know, I just wanna thank you so much for everything that you do. Karen taking a virtual bow said, thank you so much her voice swelling. Then the trainee said, no, I meant Stefania. That little bit of acknowledgement helped a lot in the face of the war against talent. The topic of today's podcast is the war against talent. This is somewhat a play on words. If you're a corporate insider, you see people in the recruiting industry are always talking about the war on talent that we are fighting to get the best people on the team. But in reality, there's a war against talent for, with people hurting the talented people on their teams. I want to do a quick call-out of all the talented people that are listening to my podcast right now. I'd like to do a call-out to the young people, new in their career. There is so much about t- talented people in our young people today, and I feel like we don't appreciate you enough. Or to the new people in this country who are cream of the crop from your homeland and maybe you had to leave like some of the amazing people from Venezuela I've been talking to lately, or to the people who are just kind of unconnected or in a new place, but you are talented and you're really good at what you do. I want to call out to all of you since you may have all of what is the right stuff in action, but it won't necessarily help you. In fact, it could make you a target and I want to get you ready. I want to help prepare you so you can react better than I did. I want to give you a toolbox to get going in case you encounter a war against your skill, your grace, your youth, your beauty, and more. All is not lost with this part of the dirty dozen, my darlings. There's still hope. Office Detox is a podcast about business and part of the darker side of it. Most people in business are decent people just trying to do their thing but a small minority of people are toxifying the workplace and the rest of us have to struggle through it. What if we could identify them, detox the office so the rest of us can do our job and live our lives? My name is Stefania Sigurdsson Forbes and I'm your host of Office Detox. Today's story is gonna focus on the botched hunt for Canada's worst serial killer, Robert Picton and geographic profiler for the Vancouver police, Kim Rossmo, who tried to warn them. I don't wanna scare you or bring anything into this podcast that will make you uncomfortable. So I won't go too far into the crimes that occurred. If you want a full rundown on Robert Picton, check out Christy Lee at Canadian True Crime, who does a fantastic four part series on the case. In short, Robert Picton was a farmer in BC Canada's worst serial killer with six convictions. During the trial's first day of jury evidence, the Crown stated that Picton had confessed to 49 murders to an undercover agent from the office of the Inspector General who is posing as a cellmate. The Crown reported that Picton told the officer he wanted to kill another woman to make it 50 and that he was caught because he was sloppy. He targeted disadvantaged women on the downtown east side of Vancouver, many of whom were in the marginalized indigenous community. What I want to explore today is the fact that during the time that Picton was active on the streets of Vancouver, the ba- Vancouver police had a world renowned geographic profiler, Kim Rossmo who analyzed the crime patterns in the area and sounded the alarm that there was a serial killer. Instead of heeding his warnings, Rossmo was ignored. To me, this is a very Canadian story. We are not a culture that puts talent on a pedestal. We are a culture that values stability, niceness, and being a good person, with performance relegated only to the sales profession. Though we talk a good game about achievement, we don't really treat our extraordinary people like we should. I honestly think we could learn a thing or two from American neighbors, though we do like to downplay their achievements as well, don't we? If we're being honest about ourselves, but I digress. I also want to digress a bit further to say that this crime is also very Canadian because it ignores the deaths of indigenous people. And we have an epidemic of this as covered by the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Commission. I don't have the background to talk or write about the lives of indigenous people, but there's an amazing podcast by APTN called The Disappearance of Natasha Lynn Starr, done beautifully by a Korean Jamaican woman called Natasha Okomo. Back to the war on talent. Most of this research comes from Penny Fong, reporter from the Toronto Star. So the article says, a senior Vancouver police investigator who pioneered geographic profiling tried to warn residents in the downtown east side. That a serial killer was on the loose and preying on vulnerable women. Kim Rosmo, who completed his doctorate in criminology while on the force and headed the Vancouver Police Department's geographic profiling section, wrote a public warning in May of 1998, said his lawyer, Mark Squ- Squalrock. So basically, Rosmo ran an analysis on the number of women who went missing and the number that were later found murdered. And he concluded that the most likely case was that there was just one murderer preying on women in the down and out east side. According to the Star, the probability that the extraordinary increase in the number of missing women could be attributed to a chance of less than 1%, Skwawak told the commission. But despite Rossmo's belief that a zero killer found his victims on the downtown east side, his bosses in the Vancouver Police Department refused to publish his report. As a result of not listening to him, between 1998 and 2002, when Picton was finally arrested, women continued to get killed. It's so egregious that it is just envy, a war on talent, to have one of the great minds in Canadian crime there and his warnings going unheeded. Unlike many of us, where work is not a matter of life or death, In this case, it was. And we have to think deeply about this, our cultural impact and the consequences. Let's learn a bit about Rossmo. Dr. Kim Rossmo is a Canadian criminologist specializing in geographic profiling. He joined the Vancouver Police Department as a civilian employee in 1978 and became a sworn officer in 1980. In 1987, he received a master's degree in criminology from Simon Fraser University. And in 1995, he became the first police officer in Canada to obtain a doctorate in criminology. So, so far, Kim is seeming pretty impressive. His dissertation research resulted in a new criminal investigative methodology called geographic profiling based on Rosmo's formula. This technology was integrated into specialized crime analysis software, product called Rigel. Rigel, the Rigel product is developed by a software company um, called Environmental Criminology Research Inc, or ECRI, which Rosmo co founded. In 1995, he was promoted to detective inspector and founded a geographic profiling section within the Vancouver Police Department. According to his employment lawyers, Tevlin, Lindy, and Curtis, throughout the term of the agreement, Detective Inspector Rosmo's service were requested and praised by numerous national and international policing agencies. The requesting agency paid all his travel expenses. His presentations on training and sessions in geographic profiling were enthusiastically received locally, nationally, and internationally. Geographic profiling was the subject of extensive media coverage. Detective Inspector Rosmo was active academically, teaching criminology at Simon Fraser University and writing books, articles, and academic papers. Detective Inspector Rosmo received a number of national and international awards, recognizing his contribution to policing, and the VPD was the recipient of several honors as a result of his work. So. You would think that this is a guy that you'd listen to, right? He deserves it. He worked on The Force 15 years. He has a master's and a doctorate. You would think that what he said would have held a ton of weight and it would be a situation where it would be like, stop, stop, Kim's talking. Let's step back and take a moment. But no, not only did they not let him publish the report on Picton, they also refused to listen to him on a number of levels. So according to his lawyers, lawyers further, within the VPD, there was stiff resistance to utilizing detective inspectors, Rossmo's talents. In January of 1999, Rosmo sent a memo to the inspectors in charge of major crime and special investigations, asking them to estimate the number of requests they would have for geographic profiling in the next year. One inspector returned the form with zeros marked in every category and another inspector declined to respond at all. That resistance was unwarranted. Rosmo's skills and expertise were underutilized locally for the types of criminal investigations particularly suited to geographic profiling. There have been huge upheavals in the department on many levels based on the situation that I found throughout my research. And though the police in general are under scrutiny as of late, I've personally had my life transformed many years ago by a kind and helpful police officer who'll i never forget. So I'm not gonna be down on police in general, but in this case, I think they should have listened to Rosmo. This is obviously, you know, jealousy being at the root, right? You know, he has the education and the skills just, you know, that these other guys can't have. And in my situation as well, It was jealousy because, you know, these people that were kind of berating me, you know, simply didn't have the skills that I had and didn't have the understanding. So they just sort of like dismissed it and made it smaller than it actually was. So according to the Harvard Business Review, when people have qualities we envy, but cannot easily acquire like beauty and charm, we tend to dismiss the value of those qualities and even treat them with scorn. We make ourselves better by belittling the accomplishment of the person we resent. People also tend to distance themselves from the objects of their envy. Through friendly, though friendly competitors challenge each other, enviers have difficulty learning and collaborating with others. According to psychologist Abraham Tesser, people are indeed unhappier when a close friend succeeds in a personally relevant domain. Than when a stranger does strangers are pretty abstract where the successes of your friends are really vivid and you're like wow i could do that too but it's not a total sad story for kim um you know he's now a di- uh, director of the texas state university's geospatial intelligent program which also works in u.s military training police standards and proper structure that will minimize the risk of allowing a serial killer to go on killing. But we do come to some sort of resolution. The pieces are being picked up. Rasmo is being appreciated by our neighbors to the south, doing work that's worthy of his station. The killer is behind bars. There is a missing and murdered Indigenous women commission. It has its problems, which are public to be sure. There's still a lot of work to do, but somehow those pieces are trying to come together and form a whole. As for me, well, my career adventure continues to twist and turns into unexpected and interesting directions. So let's think about how to stop the downward spiral of the war on talent. To the Harvard Business Review, the German word Schadenfreude, delighting in other people's misery, rapidly entered the English lexicon, but the term mudita from Pali, an ancient language in India, used by Buddhist meaning rejoicing in the good fortune of others, has not. It is a rare person whose automatic impulse is to feel glad when meeting someone smarter, prettier, or richer. And I would add younger to that as well. Nevertheless, it is possible to cultivate more generosity of spirit and quiet the cruel voice of envy. So yeah, delighting in someone's pain has really caught on, but their joy, (laughs) not so much. So if you're a manager, how can you manage envy on your team and you know i applaud the harvard business review for giving us awesome tips like this where you know sharing power and building up subordinates and sharing in their success creates an atmosphere of achievement even if you have a geographic profiler who maybe your regular beat cop can never ever have the math skills to achieve that level of success maybe there's another route for those cops to be recognized for their service and so on which is just as meaningful and it matters just as much. In my situation, if I was being bullied for my innate technical skills that others did not have, maybe good management could acknowledge these other skills needed to run the project. I think someone, in my case, just checking the facts, taking a moment to pause the meeting, to check if the requirements were there rather than just devolving the way it did would have helped a lot too. Then if they were not there, we could all work together on a solution rather than someone else being the sad object of blame. These are all great ideas to get going and to really get people to manage their envy in healthy ways. And I think it's good advice for the elite institutions that are reading and living by the recommendations made by the Harvard Business Review. But in my view, there are not many like that, though I deeply respect the ones that do. In my situation, the management was full of narcissists, predators and the like. So you're not going to get an outcome where they're really trying to care about this situation. In fact, as mentioned in my episode on narcissists, thanks for the downloads, everyone. I know you guys love that one. (laughs) Um, Narcissists actually derive joy from these dramas and people pitting against each other. But it is worthwhile to think that a more humble environment success is shared in the future hopefully as many of the world's structures and institutions come down in 2020 and in the future these narcissistic games and painful outcomes will be a thing of the past let's hope this is one of those things that crumbles anyway and if you know someone in this situation i would say helping out where you can like the woman who called out you're doing a great job in my meeting is a great first step if you're experiencing the war, I would say to build a support system wherever you can, whether it's social or based on shared achievements, having that support system can help when others turn their back on you. So I really didn't have that in that job, but I try to build it every other place I go. Whew, that was a big one. Dear listeners, we've done it again. We got through nine of the dozen next episode i'm going to take a look at addiction in the workplace something that i've seen a ton of on a personal level and i now i can see how it affected performance and toxified the workplace until then i hope you're all well and one final word if you're listening to this and you feel like no one cares about you right now it's not true you matter and they're the ones who are wrong if you want to learn more about this project Please follow me on Facebook at Gravity Hub Team or on Twitter at Stefania Forbes. If you want to reach out and you want to chat, you can find me at Stefania at gravityhub.ca. Lots of love. Goodbye for now.